to get more giant paper. Uh, Patrick. P.S. Happy Leaf Erickson Day! Hey, 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 happy Leaf Erickson Day. <laughs> we got a good one here on the BOTB football show, the midweek show. I'm Zach Zook. You're going to hear from the rest of your panelists later on in the show as they uh, break down the Thursday night game. If you're new to the show, we'll cover some events of the past weekend, some storylines going on in the NFL. I am Zach Zook, and uh, if my voice sounds a little bit different this week or I speak a little quieter, it is because the allergies have hit me like a freight train. The weather change has stone-cold stunnered me, Steve Austin style, but hey, the grind don't stop. We still got work to do. We got a pod to do, and we're going to bring it to you. We got some Redskins coming up tonight, some 49ers-Browns reactions to the Monday night beatdown in Levi Stadium out in the Bay. And then I think it's, you know, you're about five weeks in. We have some some teams that have gotten off to better starts than expected or worse. And so it's a good Good time to take stock of where people are at by looking at their strength of schedule. So we're going to look at some strength of schedule teams, the start they've gotten off to, and what we can maybe deduce from that. But first, let's hear from our sponsors, Cafe Telegraph, On Telegraph Road, fantastic barbecue, the great par fried wings, legendary. I pretty much eat them every Sunday. Uh, they're exceptional, and they're they're so gracious to uh, bruise on the balcony hosting us and uh, putting up with our shenanigans and me cursing about football at a an unreasonably early hour. So they're fantastic. We also have Kay Roberts from Remax Gold, a fantastic real estate agent in your area. In fact, if you listen to the regular BOTB show, which you definitely should be if you're listening to this show, uh... TJ is about to close on a house, and guess who helped him with that? Kay Roberts from Remax Gold. She's fantastic. Also, you have to try the STL Distillery. Uh, I believe that's in St. Charles. Uh, you have to try their brew vodka. It is uh, distilled from craft beer, and it is excellent. We also have Family Finance Mortgage, Sarah Barron. She can help you with your regular mortgage or help you refinance that mortgage. So give Sarah Barron a call. Now let's get into the podcast. First up, we got to talk about the Redskins. You know, I don't like starting the show off just lambasting, uh, you know, a franchise or a player, but it's a little easier to do when you have an incompetence level that is that of Dan Snyder and Bruce Allen. I don't know how much Redskins we've talked on this show, and by the grace of God, hopefully it's not very much, and... I'll give a little background to this just joke of an ownership and why it is probably the worst ownership of any of the four major sports in America. I mean, maybe James Dolan with the Knicks rivals it, maybe, but Dan Snyder has been a complete joke since he bought the Redskins, uh, I believe a little bit before or after the turn of the century in the year 2000. And since he's bought them, they have been abysmal, an absolute dumpster fire. And Bruce Allen is just as bad. The two are so snuggled up in bed together that they're basically docking at this point. It's absolutely ridiculous. And my issue with firing Jay Gruden isn't so much the fact that they fired him. Jay Gruden 
wanted to be fired. <laughs> uh, you could just tell it was so laboring. Like him getting fired from that job is probably one of the best things career-wise that has ever happened to him. I think it has changed. It, it, it is life-changing the perspective it gives you on something like that and the way it shifts your priorities around. And I would expect him to actually have a lot of success wherever he goes next because I think he will just have learned so much from the shitty organization that he was a part of and realize how not to do it <laughs> and and what holds you back from a front office perspective. But some of the comments that were made by Bruce Allen in the press conference following the firing of Gruden was really what I think was the, the clown move because Gruden obviously hasn't had a lot of success. Has it been his fault? Absolutely not. But, you know, you are what your record says you are. I don't, you know, I'm actually kind of surprised he kept his job for six years, just knowing the ownership. But Bruce Allen said, and I quote, we have a winning culture. The culture is great. He said the culture is great. The same culture that has Trent Williams, one of the best left tackles in football, he's not reporting. He's not showing up. And is money a factor in this? Sure. Money's a factor. But for the large part, it's because he does not trust the organization. They fucked around with his health and essentially lied to him about his health, and he said no more. I am not putting my life on the line and my well-being on the line for this organization that is clearly incompetent. So he is refusing to get paid, refusing to play a game he loves, and he's not exactly a rookie either. You know, it, it, the more football he misses, it's it's at a point where he's not going to get any of that football back. And still, because of this incompetent group of assholes, he is willing to not get paid and not play just because of them. And, you know, it's just laughable when you hear Bruce Allen say shit like that. In addition to that, I believe another comment he had, well, he had the culture comment, and then he said he had the comment about the talent of the roster. He said, we have the pieces to win here. Really? Really, Bruce Allen? Because you just drafted a rookie quarterback, and I guess he slipped to them, but you consistently make garbage moves in free agency. Landon Collins is a great name, cannot guard a soul. He's a downhill box safety that's good against the run, and he'll light you up every once in a while. That's about it. Josh Norman, who they got from the Panthers, these guys are names and nothing else. They are overrated brands at this point. And that's what they go after. Because their actual player development does not have a say in the construction of the roster. It's all Bruce Allen and Dan Snyder. It, it was rumored. I don't even think, could you say, is it, it wasn't even rumored at this point. I mean, Jay Gruden and some of the, some of the coaching staff, I think, pretty much flat out and leaked to the media that they didn't want Haskins. They did not want him. And yet Dan Snyder drafted him anyway. It was the most obvious thing in the world. As soon as it came out that Dan Snyder watched Haskins in high school and he grew up not too far away from uh, D.C., 
it was just a no-brainer that Snyder was going to force the Washington Redskins to take him. It's it's really sad, and there really isn't an answer to it. And it's one of the more storied franchises in the NFL. They play in the most historic division in the NFL. I mean, John Riggins. And it's just not going to get any better, I don't think, until he either sells the team or dies. And I don't think either of the two are imminent. And as big of a clown as Bruce Allen is, he's, I mean, just as, he's kind of a yes man to Dan Snyder as well. If you can him, the next guy Snyder brings in is still going to have to bend the knee to Dan Snyder. So if you're a Redskins fan, I don't, I mean, it's literally, I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. It, It must suck. My only advice to you would be to try and detach yourself from the team because the only way things are going to change is if you hit them in the pocketbook. But I understand that's not, fandom isn't really something you choose. It's something that's passed down to you. It's a geographic thing, and it's a lot of time you you grow up and you root for who your family rooted for. And so you can't exactly just stop. And and that's why the dichotomy is so great and why why this situation just stinks to high heavens. We gotta talk about this Monday night beatdown that the 49ers put on the Cleveland Browns and the overreactions or perhaps the takeaways, the legitimate takeaways there were from this game. Fun stat here while we're going with overreactions. Overreaction Tuesday. Usually it's overreaction Monday. Since this game was played on Monday night, overreaction Tuesday. You got uh, Johnny Manziel, who currently has a higher career passer rating than Baker Mayfield. Can you believe that? And the Johnny Manziel-Baker Mayfield comparisons, those takes were a-flying during that Monday night game, and it was bad. They were slaughtered on live television. The 49ers need to turn themselves in to the San Francisco Police Department. They need to uh, give themselves over to Monk because they just committed a murder. It was really kind of hard to watch how badly Kyle Shanahan took Freddie Kitchens to the woodshed on Monday night. And I wouldn't have taken Nick Bosa one overall. I think I've actually been kind of justified in that. I liked Josh Allen as the best pass rusher out of that group. Go take a look at his numbers. The guy is unbelievable for the Jacksonville Jaguars. But Nick Bosa, he had his coming out party on national television. He had the the flag plant thing to Baker. This was clearly a pretty highly motivated defense that came out on Monday night that was looking to prove something. And I've been slow to buy into these 49ers. They are now 4-0. And I will say this, they are for real. They are a good football team. And it was never the really the personnel. And it wasn't the coaching either. It was just they haven't done it before, and they've kind of let you down the past couple of seasons. And has it been, you know, anybody's fault? Well, they kind of just got railroaded with injuries but because of the Seahawks and the Rams I was slow to buy into them you know as as contenders in the division because until you beat those guys it's kind of hard for me because I still 
value McVay's Rams and Carroll's Seahawks higher in my mind. But I'll tell you this now, and I still don't think they'll be division champs. They're 4-0. They've gotten off to a hot start, and that's where the overreactions come into play. They're going to play the Rams on Sunday on the road. I think they'll lose that game. Now, if they do win that game, I will change my tune completely because that's kind of what, that's the last thing I'm waiting to see with San Fran is can they win in the division? Like, you're going to have to beat the Seahawks and the Rams if you want to go to the playoffs. 4-0 and is great, but uh, you're going to have to beat those teams. <laughs> and they just lost Kyle Juszczyk, their fullback, for four to six weeks. Eh, pot, whenever you hear an injury like that, if they don't respond very well within the first couple weeks, they could throw him on IR. Uh, that's not good. <laughs> he is their do-it-all guy, and I would argue that he is the second most important player on their offense behind Jimmy G. He is what makes the outside zone go. He is versatile in the pass game, creates a ton of mismatches for himself, and then if they try to help on him or put somebody better on him, he allows a mismatch to one of the slot guys like Marquise Goodwin or George Kittle or one of the receivers on the outside like Dante Pettis. So that's a huge loss, and it can't be understated. And I know fullbacks are a disappearing position, but that that's a tough one for San Fran. I, I will backtrack on my take, though, after they were 2-0 and 3-0, and that I didn't think they were for real. You know, I still don't know if they'll make the playoffs, but they're for real. And I know that probably sounds crazy. They had a per- they are undefeated. They're one of two undefeated teams in the NFL, uh, along with the Patriots. But again, it's are you are you really going to beat the Seahawks and the Rams? You're going to have to go at the very least two and two to win the division across those four games. So this is a huge weekend for San Fran. It's a short week. They got a road trip. They got to go play the Rams, who haven't gotten off to the hottest start. They're just three and two, and I think the Rams have something to prove. If they can withstand this test, you got it. They're you know division champs, <laughs> uh, one or two seed in the NFC, and, and they're gonna be they're gonna be tough to beat. But until then, I'm not quite ready to completely buy in. I'm bought in from the fact that I do think they're a legit contender, but I don't think they're the best team in the division. Maybe I'd put them above the Seahawks now because talent-wise, I do like their roster a little bit better. Though, Jimmy Garoppolo is still very unproven, and when you can't run the ball for 200-plus yards, what are they going to be able to accomplish on offense? They really don't have any weapons. It's going to be Jimmy G having to stand in there and throw darts, and can he do that? We'll see. But they obviously have an elite front end. Their secondary has been good enough. So I I, th- I do think that the overreactions to the to the 49ers start have been a little extreme, but the overreactions to the Browns, I mean, you would think this team plays in New York because they were so bad the first couple weeks. Everybody was writing them off. I mean, before the season, they were Super Bowl champs. After about two or three weeks, they had been written off. They beat Baltimore at Baltimore, which yours kindly predicted. And then everybody was back on the bandwagon, and now they just got drubbed on national television, and now everyone's off the bandwagon. But here's the thing. They are 1-0 against the Ravens, who are clearly the only other contender in that division. 
they will play the Steelers and the Bengals. Those are the other two teams in the division who are, I don't want to say free wins, but I'd be shocked if the Browns lost to them. And even if they lose to the Ravens a second time, they will have split the season series with them. Things are not over for Cleveland. And I was the one telling you to pump the brakes on them at the start because I my main concern with them was Freddie Kitchens, and I think that has bared itself out. He kind of doesn't look very good, and Monday night did not help. And even in their wins, he hasn't looked very good. The personnel is just so rock solid that I do think a wild card is, is possible. Now... It's more likely that there's only going to be one team out of the North, so perhaps they're division champs at 9-7. and seven. I, I, I do still think at the end of the day that the Cleveland Browns are going to be at the back end of that playoff chase, and I do think they're going to get in. So everybody that's coming down on Baker, you know, I get it. He's not my favorite. I wouldn't have taken him first overall, but he's not a bust, and everybody needs to chill out with the Johnny Manziel comparisons. The guy's a leader. And he talks a little bit too much for my taste, especially for not having really done anything in the league. But he has galvanized a franchise that has done nothing but lose as long as I or him have been alive. Uh, So there's something to be said for that. And I I think they'll turn around. The NFL is week to week, so you just got to stop with the overreactions. The Browns aren't as bad as you think they are, and the 49ers aren't as good as you think they are. That's, That's just a fact. Let's take a look at the strength of remaining schedule for these NFL teams over the course of the next three months. We'll go straight down the list from easiest easiest schedule to hardest, and there are a couple teams that jump out, and we'll use this to kind of predict how they're going to do the rest of the season. Now, the Jets have the easiest schedule uh, of... All the teams in the NFL, they're 0-4. Are they going to be a playoff team? No, I don't think so. But I do still think that they could get to six, maybe seven wins this year and really roll into the offseason with a lot of momentum. This is going to be a huge, huge growth period for Sam Darnold. And it, it this these couple next couple months are so important for next year's New York Jets. Because they have a couple months of live in-game action against some easier opponents where you can get some good juices, some good mojo, and some confidence going. And to learn Adam Gase's system, to get comfortable with it, to grow these young players, Chris Herndon coming off a suspension, Le'Veon Bell still getting implemented into a new system, and ultimately a second-year quarterback that has fought nothing but uh, struggle. Uh, this season with the mono. So these next couple months, it's not all about wins and losses, and it doesn't really matter much this year, but in the grand scheme of things, if the Jets, with their strength of schedule, win only three, four games, I think you're talking about Gase as a one-and-done. I think you're talking about selling off some of those players that uh, the GM McCagnan brought in, uh, like Le'Veon Bell, like Tremaine Johnson, and some of these other vets. Uh, because with this next next couple months for New York, they have a chance to, to get healthy and beat up on some bad opponents despite being 0-4 themselves. And, and the second is Cleveland. 
They have the second easiest strength of schedule the rest of the way. That's why I say, you know, in the previous segment, you got to chill out. They're, they're not the Super Bowl contenders you thought they were. And that's basically been proven right so far. But they're also not complete flops either. They have a lot of talent. You, and this has not been a surprise, at least to me. I, I always thought that they were going to be right around wild card area. 9-10 wins is, I think, the ceiling for this Browns team. And if Freddie Kitchens shits the bed, they could win seven games, six even. But with their strength of schedule and the level of shit that the AFC North is right now, Cleveland, I think, is the front runner ahead of the Ravens in that division. They're simply more talented, although they're outcoached. Third easiest schedule is the Buffalo Bills, who have gotten off to a fantastic start, 4-1. and one. And for as bad as Josh Allen looked against the Pats, then he goes out with the injury, they lost that game by six points. And the Bills' defense is legit. They have a little bit of a running game with Frank Gore. And Allen is going to continue to get better. And I'm not, you know, I wasn't a believer in Allen. We, this has been said on the show. But I do like the Bills this year. I think that they've gotten off to too good of a start. They have too easy of a remaining schedule to miss the playoffs. Uh, they may even win the division. I, I'm serious because the, the, the Pats are not a dominant undefeated team. They're 5-0 and and the defense has been dominant, but they have really beaten up on bad offenses uh, so far this season. So we'll, we'll see on the Pats because the Bills are just one game behind them. If they can go into Foxborough and steal one, a whole lot easier said than done. They they could win the division. If not, I still see them as like 10 wins, maybe 11, and, and close to a wild card because the AFC is just so top-heavy. You look at, there's so many teams in the AFC that you can just right now cross off. I mean, Jets, Dolphins, not going to make it in a million years. Steelers, Bengals, done. Uh, the AFC South, who the hell knows, but the Broncos, the Raiders, although the Raiders are three and two, Raiders are done. Chargers don't look like they're anywhere near the caliber of team they've been the last couple of seasons, although I wouldn't count them out. Uh, because of just the level of competition in the AFC as opposed to the NFC, I don't think you could say that about the Bills if they played in the NFC, but because of the conference they play in, I'm going to say right now, I'll, I'll be pretty shocked if they don't make the playoffs. I really would. Uh, you go down the list, you get into the, the the tougher schedules remaining here in the league. Uh, you have Dallas has the has the 22nd easiest schedule, so that would mean they would have the 11th toughest. Uh, they play in kind of a I want I don't want to say a tough division because it's really only them and the Eagles, but anytime you play in the NFC and you finish at the top, you're going to have to play a lot of Blue Bloods the next year. And the Cowboys are reigning division champs, and they just got throttled at home by my Packers. So they they got to go back to the drawing board, and it doesn't get any easier. I think, though, this, the, the tough schedule for Dallas doesn't really concern me. They'll drop some games, but they're going to beat some good football teams, too. Uh, really excited to watch them play Philly. I mean, those games are essentially, I think, going to be for the division. You go a little bit farther down, KC, Minnesota, Seattle all have tough schedules. For KC, I don't think it matters much. For Seattle, I think it does because you're talking about two playoff spots for three teams when you talk about the Rams, Seahawks, and Niners. I think one of those teams 
is probably going to get left out. I don't think that they're going to get two wild card teams from the West because they're just going to beat up on each other too much. Uh, toughest schedule in football, and this is the last one I'll do, is the Chicago Bears, who just stubbed their toe in London against the Oakland Raiders, soon to be Las Vegas Raiders. And I think the Bears have to be concerned. They have a backup quarterback in right now. Mitch Trubisky does not look like the guy. Uh, he has been a disaster, to be quite honest, since they picked him. It's like you kept waiting, like, hey, we can't shit on him yet. We can't shit on him yet. We can't shit on him yet. But now it's getting to the point where it's like, all right, he's in his third year. He just got hurt for the second consecutive season. And before that, he had shown no improvement in his second year under Matt Nagy, who we know is legit, and we're wasting years of this defensive dominance, uh, this window of defensive dominance that we have here in Chicago. And now you have the toughest schedule remaining in the NFL. And you have the Packers who are just rolling as your division rival, and you're already 0-1 against them. You have Minnesota, who they did kind of kill at home. But that's not going to be an easy game at U.S. Bank. Do you really think they're going to beat the Lions twice? Here's the other thing about that division. I am not a believer in the Lions. But you're crazy if you think the Lions are going 0-6 in the division. It's just not going to happen. They're going to steal some games and beat the Packers or beat the Bears. And so, in addition to the toughness of the division, uh, the Bears are really in trouble. I, I I thought that they were going to win the division preseason. They had all the pieces. The Packers were rolling out a new head coach in Matt LaFleur, and although I think that they improved the personnel greatly, he like Freddie Kitchens, LaFleur was a huge question mark to me, and the Bears were kind of rolling under Matt Nagy. This is extremely concerning if, if I'm a Bears fan. Uh, so over the course of the next month, I think you'll see who the Bears are. Uh, they'll have to get Mitch healthy. Either they had or they're going to have to find somebody else because Chase Daniels... He, he he is a uh, true son of Mizzou, M-I-Z, but I don't think he can consistently win them games. And people are calling for Tyler Bray, the third stringer, or to sign or trade a guy. Uh, it's not looking good in Chicago, man, and they're going to have to beat some good teams to get back in this race. All right, let's get to this Thursday night game. You got the Giants at the Pats. We have our picks from the panelists. Nick Yale also has his fantasy ad drops of the week. So let's send it over to the guys and see what they're thinking for Thursday night. What's up, Zook? What's up, everybody? Thursday night football this week. Looking to get back on the train Uh, again Great week last week. Rams-Seahawks, good game on Thursday. Don't see it too often. Called it, though. Rams barely covering that one. I mean, literally, I think it was half point, one and a half. So Rams covering, losing that game 30-29. But uh, great game. A lot of fun to watch. This week, Giants at the Patriots. Uh, Pats 5-0, minus 17 points, according to Odd Shark, which is what uh, the website we go through for the BOTB football show. I really wanted to take the Giants in this one. I believe in Daniel Jones. I believe in what he's been doing. But no Saquon Barkley once again. No Wayne Gallman. Sounds like Shepard's also going to be out. I heard Ingram's kind of knocked around. So their offense is pretty much not going to be there. I mean, you have Daniel Jones, but uh, Golden Tate may have a game. He's about their only receiver left right now that's not on the IR. So I'm going to say Patriots in this one. 
minus 17. It's a big spread for an offense with Daniel Jones that we've seen him, you know, since week one, slow down a little bit, but he's the real deal. He's not going anywhere. Eli's done in New York for sure. But in this case, in New England, in Foxborough, without your main playmakers, and even without your backup running back in Gallman, who did good the weeks after Saquon went out, um, there's just too many question marks. 17 points is a lot, but I think New England will get get it done. I think that they're going to score around at 28 or so, and the Giants at most will score 10, but I just I don't see it happening with that offense with everybody hurt. So um, short and sweet today, I'm going to take the Patriots minus 17. Gentlemen, 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 it is good to be back as your returning King of the Week. Excited to be back on top, wearing the crown after a big week by myself. Just some fantastic picking. Before we get into the Thursday night football game, I have two selections for you for fantasy. First one, they both come from the same game. So the first one, so take this as you will, but the first one is Chris Herndon, tight end for the New York Jets, returning from suspension. He had a big week last season, or a big year rather, last season with quarterback Sam Darnold. So if you're looking for a tight end as we get deeper into the season, the waiver wire becomes thinner and thinner, but injuries, they do happen, and the tight end position is one of those. Hasn't really been boggled by injuries too much this year, just a lot of guys that are underperforming but a guy that you might want to add or at least stash on your roster I know they have a tough matchup in the Cowboys this week is going to be Chris Herndon as far as the other pick I have for you for the fantasy advice of the week is the Cowboys defense same thing going against a New York Jets offense that has struggled ranked 31st in the NFL and the Cowboys defense has some uh, ha- has had some bright spots this year. A little a little inconsistent, but overall, I mean, they've had a couple weeks of 11 and 12 points against Miami and at New Orleans. So they they've played some tough teams. They've played some weak teams, and they've uh, they're a little bit inconsistent. But if you're looking for a defense, the Cowboys are probably going to be available on the waiver wire because of their inconsistency. And you should think about starting them against a Jets offense that is struggling mightily. But if you want a tight end, go for Chris Herndon. As far as my Thursday night pick, it's going to be the New England Patriots against the New York Giants. And in this one, i got to go with the Patriots. The Patriots are ranked number one in the NFL in passing yards allowed. Uh, and they're number three in rushing yards allowed. So the Giants still without... Their star running back, Saquon Barkley, are going to look to throw the ball a little bit with Daniel Jones, who's had some success, but New England averaging, just giving up 161 yards per game through the air and 238 yards of total offense, which leads me to believe that New England, uh, or that New York, rather, is not going to score a whole lot. New England, I think, will score a whole lot. New England is at home. Give me New England, even though the spread, I think, is currently at 16.5. I'm going with New England on Thursday Night Football. Gentlemen, look forward to seeing you this weekend at Cafe Telegraph, in which I return to all my glory. All right, there you have it from TJ and the rest of the guys. Nick with a uh, 
pretty sharp pickup there. We mentioned him a little bit earlier, Chris Herndon coming off a suspension. Uh, I think that's a good play. I drafted him in one of our fantasy leagues knowing he was coming back. He was a guy that was a big-time security blanket for Sam Darnold over the second half of last season. He really emerged, so I wouldn't be shocked to see him have some success, especially after he gets a week or two to kind of gel back into the offense. He's had time to learn the system, obviously, because he hasn't been playing, so uh, plenty of time to to study, I guess. But as far as the Thursday night picks go, I'm going to stick with the Pats. I, I can't personally take the Giants as underdogs. They are big underdogs. Uh, I like that I get the half-point swing at 16.5 right now, so I can get the get the 17-point win uh, and cover the spread. It's not 17.5. It's always a little less appealing when it's like 8.5, 7.5, 3.5, as opposed to that, that one little measly point that ensures that if you get a final score that adds up to those possessions, those possession totals, two touchdowns and a field goal, you're you're in the clear. So I, I just can't bet against Belichick's defense in this one. Prime time, and with the history these two teams have, you know Bill wants to stick it to them each and every time they meet, which isn't that often because they play in opposite conferences. So they'll be up for this one. Uh, Bill is such a football nerd, too, that I bet you – even though he knew they were going to be shitty, he had this one circled on the calendar. Well, we, we got to get ready and beat these guys, the Giants, man. Uh, they're a good football team. We're going to have to bring our A game to beat them. You know, that's just <laughs> that's just Bill. So uh, I think he'll have his guys ready. And in addition to that, the Giants were slammed with injuries. They have already lost Saquon, although he is an absolute alien superhuman and apparently he's going to be coming back from that high ankle sprain soon but Gallman got injured in that game on Sunday they've already ruled Evan Ingram out as well as Shepard and so it is very thin for Daniel Jones I think you're going to see a rookie game out of him and I don't think the Thursday night football game is going to be all that competitive. So that's going to wrap it here for us on the midweek show this week. Heading into week six of the NFL. Can you believe that already? Already into six weeks of NFL football being played. Thank you so much for listening. For the rest of the panel, I'm Zach Zook. We'll see you Sunday for the live show at Cafe Telegraph. Have a good rest of your week, everybody.